So we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 2. If you'd like to turn there. We've um, we spent, uh, starting after Easter, kind of looking at the the ascension. Uh, It's kind of our, our topic for a while, and and the the ministry of Jesus as our resurrected King, and now we're gonna we're just gonna kind of follow the storyline forward, and so we pick up. Uh, this is right after he is he's told them uh, to to wait and to pray, and that he um, is going to he's going to go away, but he's going to send the Spirit, and when the Spirit comes upon them, they're going to receive power to be his witnesses in that city in Jerusalem. And then it will spread to Judea and Samaria, which is going outward on the map, and then all the way to the ends of the earth. And that he's given them all the authority of heaven, and he's given them a commission to go and to make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and then by teaching them his ways. And so all that has been promised to him. Jesus has, has ascended in, into heaven and uh, now they are they're doing what he told them to do. And so he says, go, uh, go wait and pray. And so they go and they wait and they're praying. And so I, re- I want to read the, read the whole passage uh, just to kind of get a sense, sense of it as a narrative. And then we'll c- sort of go through it kind of slowly. So picking up verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together And they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these uh, who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They're filled with new wine. Are you impressed that I got all the nations, right? I just, whoo, just flowed right through it, just like, just like practice. Um... So, so that's the that that that's the the nuts and bolts of what happens, and so uh, we're going to go kind of slowly through it because there's a lot here, um, and I uh, so so let's let's kind of get our get our bearings together a little bit too. Uh, it says in verse verse one, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and if you were to look uh, look a little bit uh, up in. Uh, chapter one, it says that they were in the upper room. And so it's probably talking about the 120 uh, Christians that are mentioned in chapter one, probably all in the upper room, uh, all together in that, in that one place, which would have been really close to the, to the temple Mount and all that stuff. Um, so, 
So the last time that they're in this room, uh, not, not the whole full 120, but the last time the disciples, like the, the 12 or the 11, I should say, uh, are in this room, let's think, let's think about what, what was happening in, in that moment. Jesus gathers them together, all right? It's, it's, uh, it's time for Passover, uh, Maundy Thursday. Remember the Maundy Mon- Thursday? It was, feels like months ago at this point. Um, uh, that, that, that's what would happen. So he, he gathers them together. They have the, the Passover meal. He redefines the Passover meal and gives them the Lord's Supper. Um, he, uh, you read John 13 through 17, that whole stretch is a part of that night. Um, so the last time they're in this room, he would have said, uh, he would have basically predicted what was going to happen. Um, it says in John, in John 14, he talks about the Holy Spirit coming. And he calls him the Helper, uh, capital H, Helper. Uh, same thing in verse 16. He says the Helper is going to come. He's going to bring to mind all the things that I have told you. He's going he's gonna to help you. He's going he's gonna to lead in conviction of, of certain things. Um, he's going to, it is for your good that I go away. And so uh, perhaps for those, for those who were in that, in that room, maybe, they, maybe when they got into the upper room, maybe all that stuff started to wash back over them, all the things that Jesus told them about that night. And maybe that spurred them on. Like maybe they got really pumped about, about praying or just, just thinking about what, what God was about to do. Um, and so he's talking about the, the Holy Spirit. And before we get into you know the... Some of the I know you're already talking about tongues, All right, Speaking in tongues, everybody, cool. Okay, uh, before we get to that, though, let's, let's let me just say a little, a, very, a quick primer on the Holy Spirit. Um, Phil Zito preached two sermons on the Holy Spirit uh, back. I meant to write the dates down. I can't remember. Just go back and look for the the Holy Spirit series, and it it's packed with stuff. You'll be worth worth your time. Um, but here's a here's a quick flyover. Um, the Holy Spirit, we're, we're talking about, uh, when you talk about the Trinity, the Father, Son, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is fully and equally God. There's no, he's not JV, there's no hierarchy in the Trinity, fully and equally God with Father and the Son. Um, and the thing is, like, we're talking about God's like personal, invisible, energizing presence. Okay, so God, uh, God doesn't have a contained body. Jesus, Jesus does now that he is a human, um, but God, God is not, uh, God's not an old man with a long beard, you know, up in heaven, you know, like, like the far side cartoons, you know, depict that kind of thing. Uh, God is not contained. God, the Bible tells us that God is spirit. And so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's, it's this like energizing, um, like it's like the, the, it's this, this power source of God. Um, and uh, so the Spirit is is everywhere, giving giving life and power to creation. So um, the whenever you are reading, if you're looking at the, in the Old Testament, especially uh, like the the Old Testament word for Spirit, it, it, it translates sometimes sometimes it's Spirit, sometimes it's wind, and sometimes it's breath. And uh, if you if you think about that, like wind, wind has an energy to it. You know, if you're on a sailboat and there's no wind, you ain't going nowhere. Uh, wind comes along and it it will push a sailboat. We're about to have a tropical storm roll through here, and it's gonna it has some energy to it. You know, we'll be picking up limbs for a few days probably. Um, and 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 the same thing with with breath. Uh, if if you are um, you ever been really stressed out and someone's like, man, take a deep breath, and you take a deep breath, and you're like. 
I feel a little bit better all of a sudden because that like infilling with oxygen is such a good, like it's just, there's something to it. So, so that whole concept with the Holy Spirit, we're, we're talking about the, um, that, that invisible spirit of God that gives, that gives energy and life and breath to creation. So, um, the, just, that's not a very good explanation of the Holy Spirit, but it's, it'll have to do for right now. So just kind of think about that for a second. And then we look at the story. Um, verse 2. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Okay? So if we were sitting here and we heard outside a mighty rushing wind, we would probably panic a little bit. Because a mighty rushing wind has this strength to it and this energy to it and all that stuff. Um if you think about it, God has used wind other times in the Bible, though, right? To to bring that that like that sense of His presence. Can you can you th- can you just off the top of your head? Can you think of any times when wind and the presence of God have been synonymous in the Bible? Elijah. Elijah. Yeah. When, anything else? Exodus. Exodus. Crossing the, Crossing the Red Sea. Yep. Anything else? Um, in Genesis, it talks about uh, like before God started creating, how the the Spirit of God was like hovering, hovering over the waters and the chaos. You know, um, in uh, when when God created Adam, Adam and Eve, it says that He breathed life into them. Um, that's another like use of wind. Uh, the uh, in Ezekiel, when all the all the bones are in the valley, you know, and God tells the bones to come alive, and they. They all start standing up, and uh, the bones all connect, and the muscles come, and all that kind of stuff. And the, but it says, but but there was no life in them. And he says, he 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 commands his breath to go into them and to to like animate them and to make them come alive, alive. And so, uh, and even even like with the with the resurrection, when Jesus, it's like one of those weird passages where like, did this really say that? And I'll read it to you. It says he tells them, sees them for the first time. He says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, um, probably the only time I'd ever want someone to breathe on me is like right, right then. Like, is that going to give me the spirit? Bring it, you know, otherwise mask up, you know? Um, and so, so this idea of, of wind and breath, and this is the, this is the, the energi- the energizing uncontained presence of, of God in, in his creation that is, that is making God's presence manifest with his people they hear this sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it it fills the place where they're sitting. So let's let's say that there's a room like this. You can fit about 120 people in here when we do meals and stuff like that. So let's say it's a room like this, and a wind comes in and just fills the whole place. And you're like, "What in the world is going on?" And then it says, "Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them." So, uh, can you think of a time when God used fire? To synonymous with his presence, burning bush, leading the Israelites. You like that story, don't you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So God's presence and fire—that's another thing that He's used. So all that to say, it's another time in the Bible where God's using these, like these familiar things, these familiar manifestations of His presence. To communicate something to his people, and I, I love how God—he knows how to speak our language. You know, like he—he he knows what you need. He knows how you're communicated with. He knows how to how to get that through to you. 
And so here they are, mighty rushing wind, which may have brought up those thoughts, maybe not. And then there's like fire, and it's like, um, when it talks about tongues of fire, you know like when a fire is like kind of lapping like that? That's, that's kind of what, I, what I'm thinking of. But it's like it was touch, it was like above everyone. And so here's these two manifestations of, of God's presence, where it's almost like he's like, hey, I'm here. This is the, this is the thing I've been telling you about. Um, and manifest those things together. And it rests on each one of them. And then look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. To be filled with the Spirit. Okay, Jesus, Jesus has ascended. The Helper has come. The Helper has come and, and is, is filling them. This, this powerful energy of God, like the, the, the power of God that raised him from the dead has now filled up this room and gone and, and filled up each, each of them in this room and filled them up. Um, and so the, the temple, that, that, that's where God dwelled in, in their mind. God dwells in the Holy of Holies uh, that only the high priest can go into. and all, That's where God dwells. Um, and all of that has been taken away. And now the, the, the power of God, like the, God's presence, was, it was, he was living in the temple and then I guess in Christ. And now Christ has, has ascended into heaven and the veil of the temple has been torn. And now, who's, who's the temple now? 120 of these people. Because God has filled the room and then he filled them. And so the temple, the temple now plays a different role. You and I are the temple. You, you and I are the temple. Um, and so there's a, and there's a whole lot to just, just that. We could spend a while just talking about that, that concept. And so they are filled with this presence that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within them. And because of our faith in Christ, as Christians, it's, a, it's the same thing. That the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that did all of these things, live, lives in me, is energizing me, is animating me, has given breath and life to me and to you and to us. Um, so uh, that that's amazing, you know. Now, one of the things that that people tend to hear this story and they think about the speaking in tongues part, you know, that that gets a lot of the attention. But just think about what we've talked about so far. I mean, this is this is an incredible moment. This has this has has moved ministry forward. Uh, this is going from the, the you have Jesus who's in one, one place at one time. Um, now the Spirit dwells in all these people, and you will see as as that spreads, as we begin to add hundreds and thousands of people. Now the now the the presence of God is going everywhere, and so when Jesus tells them, "You're going to do greater things than me." That's a part of what he's saying is that I can only be in one place at one time. You, now the presence of God, the, the spirit-filled presence of God is going, going to be everywhere because my people are going to be everywhere. And so, um, so they begin to speak in, in other tongues. And what that, that means, like you can, think, you can take out the word tongues and you can put languages in there. They begin to speak in other, other known languages. So let's, let me read that part of the story again and then we'll, we'll see a little bit more there. Look at verse 5. Um, So now that we're dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Um, so this was the this was uh, the one of they have three pilgrimage festivals. This was uh, one of them, and so um, there were literally people from the from all over that would come in 
to Jerusalem. And it's not like now when we go to a town, we'll go to like on vacation or go somewhere and you're there for a couple of days and you come back. It was such a, such a like trek that they would go and they would stay for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, you know? And so, um, all the, it's like the nations had come together, you know, in, in Jerusalem for this festival. Verse six, at this sound, the multitude came together. So they heard it. They're like, what was that? That crazy, like rushing wind sound. Um, and they were bewildered because each of them heard uh, heard them speak in his own language. So at some point, the the upper room was not able to contain the energy that was happening here, and they just began to like spill out into the in, into the the city. And so everyone's like, "What what is going on here?" Because verse seven it says they are amazed and astonished, saying, "Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us as in our own native language?" So, so if we think about it in the context of, of like this room, um, let's say that, that on each of these like couches and chairs and stuff like that, if, if you're talking about your, people who come from a different region, there are all these different languages that are spoken. And so if, um, it, it would be as, as if, uh, let's say that Cody starts to lead a song, or let, let's, let's say Cody's worshiping the Lord, and he's speaking Portuguese, but he doesn't. He shouldn't know Portuguese. But the schoolmakers are like, he shouldn't know Portuguese. We know Portuguese. Which you probably do, probably, you know, knowing y'all. Um, and so they're like, how in the world does Cody know Portuguese? He's not from, he's not from our place. He didn't, he didn't travel with us. We know who's with us. Um, and that will be happening all across, all across the thing. So you have 120 of these people, and they're praising God in a language that they don't know. But the observers do know, and they're like, that guy's not from where I'm from, but yet he's praising God in my language. That makes no sense to me. And so these were these were known languages, and they're just praising the Lord, and they're speaking this other this other language. And what's happening is there's it's this miracle that's happening in this moment, and it's a miracle that that this happens a lot. If you start talking to missionaries, there are things like this that happen all the time, where God uses like uses language and overcoming language barrier in a really like pretty pretty amazing way, and so. Uh, there's a there's actually a map. Let me show you this this map. Look up on the screen here that shows you just how how diverse this would have been. Um, so you look look how far away that they came from, and all these different places would have spoken all these different things, and they'd have all converged on Jerusalem together. And so uh, keep the, keep that in mind just for a second. Just how widespread it is look. I mean, we're all the way in Italy over here, you know, like. Um, Coming together in, into Jerusalem, they're speaking these languages. Um, this, I was thinking about it this week a little bit, um, just about, especially like given the, given all of the the racial tensions that are going on, and there's a just a lot of history that I've been reading about and learning about, and just thinking about further further than that. And you know, Genesis 11, we have the the Tower of Babel. We have that story in. Um, just to kind of re- refresh on the story. The the people had migrated and they were on this one place. And of course, we're talking about very early in 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 the biblical story. And so they they decide they want to build a tower that reaches into heaven so they can make a name for themselves. And the the I was 
I watched this uh, seminary professor talk about that, and he said, what you're talking about is a, you remember studying, remember a ziggurat? Remember that in school? Chad does. Uh, it's like a, it's it's like a like a big like almost like a pyramid kind of thing, and it has like like stairs that go up it, and there's a um, stairs that come down, and it goes way up way up high, and has usually like a temple on the top, or it has a temple right next to it. And in that part of Mesopotamia, the the point was to they would build these they would build these ziggurats, and for the for the gods to come down, come down and like be with the people, and come down the steps and bless the people. Um, that was the whole, that was their goal and how, uh, in Babel, they're like, let's build, let's build this great one to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. And the idea being that they'll impress God so much that he'll come and he'll bless them and they'll become famous basically. Like it's, it's that, it's that pride that kind of masks itself as like religious piety, you know? And so, um, they're like, we'll make a name for ourselves and we'll, I mean, we'll bless God too, of course, you know? And so, this, as the story goes, God comes comes down to to look at the tower, and he comes down and he looks at them, and he's and and he's like, uh, we need we need to frustrate them because their their the unity of their language is going to get them to the point where their pride is going to become uh, they'll be unable to overcome it. So God uh, confuses them by making them all speak different languages. And a part of what he's trying to do is to frustrate their pride. Another thing he's trying to do is that he didn't intend for them to all live in a big city. He said, go and populate the earth. And so languages, God confuses them, and that ends, ends up splitting them apart. And that actually pushes them into different parts of the world. And so here's this, here's this moment where, where what happened at Babel, and they, it scattered everyone because of languages. They come together in Jerusalem. They're not speaking any languages, but they're all in the same place again. And now God has come to them again. And this miracle got their attention. Um, Verse 12, it says, They were amazed and they were perplexed. You ever felt that way with God? You're like, this is incredible and I have no idea what to do with it. They were amazed and they were perplexed and they were were like, what does this mean? Um, And then, of course, some people made fun of them because that's what humans do. We make fun of each other. And some of them, oh, they're just drunk, you know. Uh, If you go on to read about it... uh, after this moment, Peter, like, he like, calls a timeout and he gives this incredible speech sermon thing and, and explains what's going on. And to track the rest of the book or the next couple of chapters of the book of Acts, uh, this becomes really controversial. And so uh, there's a bunch of debates. And so there's a lot of these like explanations and sermons and back and forth. And then it turns into just straight up persecution and they start going after everyone. And you know what happens when you get to, to the end of chapter 7 and verse 8? Everyone's like, the persecution is crazy. I'm going back home. And what do they take with them when they go back home? The gospel. The gospel. Right. So God brings them together, brings the nations together. The Holy Spirit comes. The, it, the gospel spreads like wildfire. Persecution breaks out, which drives them all back home. And the opposite of that map happens. Instead of them all coming to Jerusalem, now they all go back home. And we're here today because that happened. You know, like Our origin story involves this, this very thing right here. Um, the, the amazing part, well, there's lots of amazing parts. But you think about what think about what happened at Babel that day, and think about how God healed it on this day. That 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 division 
that frustration, that separating out of people, that God, God was like, you, you need this. You need to be separated because your pride is going to get the best of you. That in his kindness, he gave us all these languages. In his kindness, he drove them all apart. In kindness, he let, he like let all that happen. The, the, that's Genesis 11. Genesis 12 is where Abraham comes in. He starts making promises. So then he sets a plan into motion that in part is like fulfilled here in this time. He did all that knowing that he was going to, to make a promise to Abraham and see that all the way through. And then we'd see David and then we'd see Jesus. And now we're seeing the Holy Spirit. Like all of this, it's all this big plan for God. And so, so what Babel did in, in dividing people for their own good, God has now brought that back together and he has healed it. He hasn't reversed it. He's healed it. Because he says, you know, there's, there's, there's something that's, that's greater than your divisions. There's something that's greater than your ethnicity. There's greater, something, something that, that's greater than all this. And this gospel is going to overcome all of those barriers. All the language barriers. All the culture barriers. All the socioeconomic barriers. Any barrier that, that, that divides us right now, the gospel soars above that. Because the, the presence of God fills his people that, that means we can we can get through we can get through this we can get through covid we can we can get through all that our country's going through with racial reconciliation we can get through this storm that's coming up we can get through the murder hornet whenever that was remember that no one's even talking about the murder hornet anymore uh, we can we can get through what whatever comes our way because because God has given us something that is greater um, it doesn't mean that all those things are going to be easy to cope with and to figure out but it does mean that we have everything we need for life and godliness through, the, through our knowledge of him who's called us to his own glory and excellence because the wind, the, the, the fire, the power of God has come and has filled us. And when you read the book of Acts and you hear, like you, you know, Peter gives, gives these, this incredible explanation, um, you get to the end of his explanation, it says... Uh, those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 people. So from, from 120 to like 3,000. And then when you get to the end of chapter 2, it's basically every day people are coming to know the Lord. So you, by the end of chapter 7, when, they, when the persecution is so bad they all go back home, you're talking thousands and thousands of people taking the gospel back to where they came from in their own language. It's, it's this incredible plan of God. And I read this, and I'm like, we can do, we can do the five-year plan. You know? like we, can, we, we can be a part of racial reconciliation. We can, we, can, um, we can enter into those dark relationships where forgiveness almost seems impossible. You know? like we, can, we can deal with our, with our baggage. We can, we can walk together through all seasons of life. We can, we can do all of the things that are on our hearts, the things that we're fired up about, the things we believe God has called us to and put in front of us. We can do all of that stuff because this is, this is our story. Because the presence of God has come and has filled us. And the wind of God is pushing the sails forward. The breath of God is what we breathe. Um, this, this, in some ways, this is an, is an isolated incident. In other ways, this is the common Christian experience that Jesus has blessed us with. And when I stop and when I think about it in that, in that term, you know, in those kinds of ways, I, it, it makes me just want to run faster. 
you know, like it makes me want to pray more. It makes me want to be more faithful, more determined. Uh, it, it just, it drives me so much. And I think that's because the oxygen of the Lord is what is filling me. He's like, yes, you know, he is fanning that into flame. Um, the, like we, we went on a camping trip a couple years ago and Chris Cole's over here. Chris built this, like, it's like the perfect, like fire, you know, this college camping trip. And the fire was going, and at one point, everyone had something like flat, and they were all like just putting oxygen on it. And the thing was like, it was like uh, like castaway. You know, we were also like immensely proud of what we've created. You know, uh, and I think about that, like that oxygen thing, so much of like, isn't in that what the church? In that what we do for one another? Like, isn't that what community groups should do? Isn't that what's what we're missing about Sundays together? Um, isn't that what a part of what Christian community is, is that there's a fire that's there. Sometimes it just needs a little oxygen. Sometimes we just need the wind of the spirit to come and to fuel that and to, and to, to make it, to stoke it and to make it grow. Um, and I feel like this story is here for a bunch of reasons. And I think that's one of them. And so for, for you at home, for us in this room, this is relevant to everything that we're facing. Uh, that this is a part of your story as well. And the Spirit of God at some point came and, and found you and filled, and filled you. And even if you're feeling like you're not feeling very full, there's a fire that's there. And the scriptures are how God puts oxygen on it. And community is how he puts oxygen on it. And singing is how he puts oxygen on it. And, and that, that is what that pushes us forward. And so the fact that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me, that, that's enough for me. And it's enough for you, and it's enough for us. And so however this really, like, uh, whatever application this is for you, as you're thinking, like, oh, this gives me hope here. This challenges my faith here. This makes me want to love more here, be more disciplined here. However, however that applies, uh, don't, don't leave it in this live stream this morning. Um, because the Lord, the Lord wants that. And, and one last thing, just in closing, is that uh, I think this reminds us of how serious Jesus is about the Great Commission. Like, he, he's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to send the helper, because you have this commission in front of you that you can't do by yourself. Yeah. Like, you're, you're going to need the wind of the Spirit. You're going to need the energy, the animation of the Spirit, in order to go and to make disciples of all the nations. Because, you know what, the nations, they don't, they don't all know that they need Jesus. People don't all know that they have a, that they are broken and separate from him. You know, um, not everyone realizes that the source of all the like angst of the world at the very bottom of this is sin and death that Jesus has come to overcome. And so we we need the empowerment of God to carry this out. So this is how Jesus is about the how serious he is about the nations is that he would go and he would give us his spirit to fuel that mission. And so may this push us into, into the nations, like the global nations, and also push us into our neighborhoods and into our, uh, our friendships, into our marriages and into parenting and all these kinds of things, that this is, this is God's heart for us. Um, so I'm going to pray, because I could talk about this all day, but I'm not going to. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing a little bit more before we, we close, and we'll just kind of let the Lord... Um, just do what he does with whatever has been stirred in us today. So let me pray. Lord God, I'm, I'm so thankful. Um, there's so much about this story that, 
There's just so much to it. The fact that you would you would believe in us and you would believe in the mission uh, of the Father, Son, and Spirit enough to to send a helper, you know, like to to literally like fill us and dwell within us for us to be the new temple so that we could go to the nations and we could also go across the street and we could go to work and we could go um, wherever it may be. This is incredible to me. And so um, I pray this morning that we are all blessed by, by that resurrection power that lives within us and that that would, would drive us more deeply into the things that you've put in front of us. That through that lens is how we would look at all our circumstances. That we would look at all our relationships and all our opportunities. Just to be reminded that that same power lives in us. We love you, Father. We thank you. We just want to sing a little bit in, in response to what you've done. We pray this in your name. Amen.